So uh, Max has an announcement for us. Hi, my name is Max. I'm one of the retreat coordinators here. And I just have a short announcement. So I'd like to take a few moments to help you understand our protocols as someone did test positive today for COVID. Uh, we also have the same announcement. It's been up on the bulletin board this afternoon as well, if you haven't seen it yet. So I'll just essentially read it to you. So this person was immediately supported and they left Spirit Rock this morning. The person was in the back right corner of the hall. Wait, no, sorry, back right. <laughs> One of those ways, over there. Uh, it was over there, okay. I think get my rights and lefts confused. Yeah, <laughs> rights and lefts. Uh, his room was Meta 130 and it was a single room. And the, he was an after table dinner wiper, work med, and was not part of any affinity groups. And they were in a practice group with Donald on Thursday at 3.10. And I wrote notes to the folks who were in that practice group. So if you have any questions about that, you can come and talk to us. Anyone at all, but specifically the people who are in that practice group. We have sanitized their place in the hall and all public access spaces and all frequently touched surfaces in the dining hall, meditation hall, dorm room, and bathroom. And as a reminder, COVID is generally not spread through surface contact. We know this announcement may feel impactful amidst your practice, and we have planned for this scenario. We know from public health advisors that the likelihood of transmission in a silent environment with fully vaccinated groups is extremely low. So this is just a general exposure notification. So please monitor for symptoms, use the symptom checklist in your room, and if you feel sick or have any symptoms, you can always come to the staff office and take a test. Our office is always open 24-7. In addition, I mean, you already tested today, so I guess there's no point in testing again, but in the next day or so, you can test again. Uh, in addition, we have masks available in the office and in the meditation hall. Uh, let's see here. So this is not our first rodeo. We have experienced this a few times, quite a few times since coming back on the land, uh, but you can always grab a mask. The masks are optional, and please continue to monitor your symptoms. Amy and I will be in the office till about 5, 5.15ish today. So after you're done with this session here, you can always come over and if you have any questions or anything like that. And that's all I got. Thank you for your care and kind attention, everyone. Cheers. Sure. Um, thank you, Max. Um, we talked about this over lunch. And one thing that was helpful for me to hear was that something like this has happened a number of times where an individual has um, come down positive. And I don't know if you mentioned, but the, the, um, the person did not have symptoms. Mm -hmm. This particular person did not have any symptoms. And in the past, when something like this has happened, um, an individual has become positive um, at Spirit Rock several times. Um, actually, historically, no one else has become positive um, in those instances. That doesn't guarantee anything, but yeah. it can be a little reassuring. <laughs> now, don't jinx us, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> don't jinx us, Donald. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We will hopefully not have a spread. It has not happened yet here. Uh, usually when people test positive, they bring it in with them. They don't get it here. So we'll just keep that vibe going. 
All right, that's it. Thanks, y'all. Cheers. Yeah. This is uh, good as time in any, as any to practice equanimity. <laughs> <laughs> so everything we experience in this life, all the moments of happiness, all the moments of suffering, all the moments of peacefulness, all the moments of agitation. Every single moment of this human life is experienced in the mind. Consciousness. This field in which uh, experience appears and we have this really mysterious, ineffable capacity to know that experience. And it's actually really only one of six streams of information from the five senses, making contact with objects, and then the mind that produces uh, thoughts. And so since all of life is experienced through this mind, why not train the mind to be undisturbed by anything? Awareness itself doesn't actually reject anything. Like if the sense organ is working, if I have hearing and there's a sound, that sound appears in consciousness. And that's why the, the quality of mind, you know, original mind, capital M mind, is often associated with compassion or metta because it has this non rejecting quality. But then there's the discursive mind, the thinking mind that comes in and says, oh, I, I like this sound, I don't like this sound, this sound shouldn't be here. You want more of that sound. From the Buddha, as a solid mass of rock is not stirred by the wind, so a sage is not moved by praise and blame. As a deep lake is clear and undisturbed, so the sage becomes clear upon hearing the Dhamma. Virtuous people always let go. They don't prattle about pleasures and desires. Touched by happiness and then touched by suffering, the sage shows no sign of being elated or depressed. So we can and we do, as I was saying last night, that equanimity is often a natural emergence of <clears throat> this kind of practice. Equanimity is associated with states of samadhi, where the mind is more gathered and collected and focused, and um, hindrances are more or less at bay. And uh, and what we were doing is very much a samadhi practice. Or collecting the mind on the object of our phrases, on the object of our um, radiating metta and the beings to which we intend to send metta and that repetition of that again and again and again naturally concentrates the mind. And uh, we can also explicitly train the mind to be more equanimous. We can train the mind to be 
uh, unwavering or less wavering in the face of praise and blame, in the face of success and failure, in the face of pleasure and pain, in the face of fame and disrepute, these worldly winds that are constantly coming and going and shifting throughout our life experience. Shanti Deva says, where would there be leather enough to cover the whole world? With just the leather of my sandals, it is as if the whole world were covered. Likewise, I am unable to restrain external phenomena, but I shall restrain my own mind. Then there is no need to restrain anything else. And I love, I love this paradigm because the I know my default mode when something is lacking or something is in excess is to want to change the environment. And sometimes we can't, you know. Cold, I put on a sweater, hot, take off my sweater, no big deal. Um, But in my experience, a large number of the things that agitate the mind, that disturb the mind, that don't align with preferences that I'm attached to are completely outside my control. And so developing this mind that can tolerate and withstand the unpleasantness of that experience is a tremendous asset. This is something we've talked about in some of the practice discussion meetings that, you know, when being able to, to build this capacity to tolerate what's uncomfortable is a tremendous strength because then when uncomfortable things happen in the real world, we've already developed that kind of capacity. So from the Basudimaga, this text we've been referring to, has quite a lot about the Brahma Viharas. And it's actually quite readable for a text that was written um, 1,500 years ago talking about the Brahma Viharas and they're kind of the medicine that they serve. So loving kindness is the escape from ill will. Compassion is the escape from cruelty. Joy is the escape from boredom. And equanimity is the escape from greed. You could probably say greed or aversion. The Vasudhimaga goes on to say, equanimity is characterized as promoting the aspect of neutrality towards beings. Its function is to see equality in human beings, and it's manifested by the quieting of resentment and approval. So this is kind of interesting, you know. Um, I have uh, spent a lot of time listening to audio recordings of the teachings of Ajahn Chah, the Thai forest meditation master, who's a teacher of several of my teachers, And um, the theme that goes through his Dharma talks is give up loving and hating. His constant refrain of give up liking and disliking, give up loving and hating. And And it goes a little bit counter to my conditioning, which says, no, you should love everything. And there's a way in which there's a paradox here that, you know, we can love anything, like my monk in the cave who had unlimited regard for all his compatriots. Uh, but then also in that, there's like, there's no hierarchy. 
Equanimity succeeds when it makes resentment and approval subside. And it fails when it produces the equanimity of unknowing, uh, which is like uh, ignorance is bliss. You know, it's not considered to be wholesome in the Buddhist mind uh, worldview. With equi- equanimity, this is often the Vasudhi Maga still, with equanimity, experience becomes depersonalized. And this is something that we see Dharma practitioners manifest in the way we talk about our experience, uh, especially in the practice discussion meeting. So, you know, experienced practitioner will come in and say, I'm noticing a lot of anxiety. I'm noticing a lot of anger. Um, we tend not to say, I'm really angry or I'm really anxious. And this depersonalization of experience is kind of gives us a little bit of a footing to have uh, not be as perturbed by the experience, not taking on the identity of that experience. And this is all related to uh, equanimity emerges more and more from an understanding of some basic insights, some basic dharma, some basic uh, laws of how this realm is constructed. Uh, and one of those is kama, the idea of cause and effect, that um, we have agency over to some degree and can develop more and more over our actions of body, speech, and mind. And in turn, those actions will affect succeeding moments. We're sort of constructing our future in every moment. It's also related to um, the three classical Vipassana insights that um, these streams of experience are coming and going, they're arising and falling, passing away. Everything is in constant flux. Nothing is constant. And uh, that life has its measure of suffering. Anybody experience any suffering in the last few days? And, uh, and that it's not so personal. You know, we take our dramas very personally, but by and large, stories of the details of the stories may be different, but of the nine billion people on this planet, anything that you may have experienced is being experienced by many, many people as Beth was saying, our common humanity, what it is to be a human being in a human body with a fragile, the fragility of life, the um, poignancy of life. So uh, the Vasudhi Maga says, when a practitioner has discerned formations by attributing the three characteristics to them, so the unsatisfactoriness of moments of experience, the impersonality of moments of experience, and the flux in moments of experience. Once a practitioner has discerned formations by attributing the three characteristics to them and seeing them as empty in this way, they abandon both terror and delight and become indifferent and neutral. There might be a translation thing here in the word indifferent, but um, 
you could say, becomes a neutral. The pra- practitioner neither takes as I nor as mine. And uh, this might be my favorite line in the entire Siddhimaga. And is like a person who has divorced a spouse and in doing so has become unaffected by the doings of the ex-spouse. <laughs> <laughs> So we can practice uh, developing equanimity in much the same way that we have been practicing uh, developing metta. I think your your handout probably has has on page seven a bunch of different phrases for equanimity practice. And um, many of these are just developing a kind of uh, acceptance a surrender to this moment. So the phrase is like, may I accept things just as they are. That's one of my go-tos because it's very like short and easy. May I accept this moment. May I release any resistance to this moment. May I be undisturbed by the coming and going of events. Uh, and again, you can develop your own equanimity phrase. Pick one of these on the list tweak it in a way that resonates with you. And then there's another, uh, so, so many of the phrases are about developing a, a neutrality to this moment. And then there's another category of phrases which tends to be wordy, but it's something like, you're the owner of your karma. Your happiness and unhappiness depends on your actions, not so much on my wishes for you. And this is like a particular use case scenario where there's someone in your life or someone you know or care about and they're making decisions that may be unwise or unskillful or unhelpful. Maybe there's addiction, maybe there are other issues. And um, there's often such a strong desire to be able to fix that person or help that person in some way. And so this is an acknowledgement that We do what we can, but ultimately each person's happiness depends on their own actions and not on our wishes for them. So I'll offer some phrases, the ones that I like. Um, You know, and and in this use scenario, you know, we we can offer equanimity to anyone and offer it where it's easy. But there is a kind of a hint, like in compassion practice, that equanimity is needed. (laughs) So often, like somebody who's maybe going through something and having some difficulty, or going through circumstances which could lead to difficulty, you know, like an illness or diagnosis, you know, may you accept this moment. but I'll leave it to your discernment to kind of pick where you want to direct that. We can direct it to ourselves, you know. May I accept things just as they are. May I open to the conditions of my life with equanimity. Okay, so letting your posture be as relaxed as is available in this moment. 
letting all those words go and making contact with some felt sense of the groundedness of the body. Feeling the weight on the tailbone. Establishing some sense of contact with the heart center of the body and the center of the chest. And then bringing to mind a being, can be yourself, can be a dear friend. And then offering phrases of equanimity. May you accept things just as they are. May you be undisturbed by the coming and going of events. May you open to the conditions of life with equanimity. May I accept things as just as they are. May I be undisturbed by the coming and going of events. May I open to the conditions of my life with equanimity.
You can play with the sense of offering and receiving, offering the phrase and receiving the echoes, receiving the impact on the heart.
Now bringing to mind someone you care about that is suffering from bad decisions, bad habits, maybe addiction, mental illness. Visualize this person or connect with a felt sense of this person, perhaps as if they were seated next to you. And offering phrases. I wish you happiness, but I cannot make your choices. I will care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. You are the owner of your karma. Your happiness and unhappiness depends on your actions and not my wishes for you. I wish you happiness, but I cannot make your choices for you. I will care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. You are the owner of your karma. Your happiness depends on your actions, not on my wishes for you. I wish you happiness, but I cannot make your choices for you. I will care for you, but cannot keep you from suffering. You are the owner of your karma. Your happiness and unhappiness depends on your actions and not on my wishes for you.
In a moment, I'll ring the bell to signify the transition. Notice what happens when I ring the bell. See if you can maintain the sense of continuity of practice. have time for maybe one or two questions. Thank you for this teaching. Um, I, I understand the basis of these um, phrases, but honestly, they feel very cold and uh, indifferent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I need help with that because I think they're really important because we all struggle with this. But... They don't resonate for me. Yeah, so the comment is that the phrases feel cold. Uh, you know, I actually do find them slightly aloof, and I wonder if that's by design, because there is a quality of aloofness in um, equanimity. But my encouragement would be to see if you can find phrases that uh, really resonate for you. And maybe, you know, I've heard this comment before, and some people like to amp up the, um, I really care about you a lot and wish for your well-being, but I cannot keep you from suffering. You know, amp up the first part of that phrase. And then also, you know, this is one of those practices that is, uh, is I think it's more modern, you know, the idea of using phrases to um, promote equanimity. And so, like, I think it's, doesn't work for you, it's not essential because the nature of equanimity is that it's one of the fruits of the practice that arises anyway. Yeah, and there are other phrases on page eight uh, that come from Kyra Jewel that might have more sweetness in them. (laughs) This person in the front here in the red sweater... um, raised your hand very quickly, so I'd like to... Hi, folks. So I was having a hard time with metta until the fabulous Beth gave me um, an understanding of how it was powered. So um, felt like a dark room, and then metta put some light in that room, and then it was like this box of light in the metaverse coming out of me. So I was curious, um, where does equanimity come from? Where's that powered from? Yeah. 
Yeah, my experience has been it's powered from, you know, so, so much of, you think about that, what stands in the way of equanimity, it's often our resistance to how things are. And we take everything so personally, come back to these three insights that we, um, we expect life to be free from any discomfort. We expect, uh, we orient our lives often around setting up conditions that will lead to happiness, not realizing that it's very difficult, conditions are always changing, and even when we can line it up in some way, like the mind changes. It's like the, the single person who uh, meets someone and they just think, oh, well, this is a soulmate. You know, I definitely was a lover with this person in a distant lifetime, and then all is great for a time. And then a month later, you realize why you haven't kept in touch for 2,000 years. <laughs> this, is, this is how the mind is. It doesn't get satisfied by conditions. <clears throat> so it's this understanding that the things that we think will make us happy don't, that um, pushes us in the, in the direction of equanimity and surrender. Well, it's powered by Murphy's Law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and more so for most people, it's powered by the mind being gathered. The mind is gathered and settled. It calmed, the nervous system is calmed. The hindrances are less activity, are less active. Then we just feel more equanimous. Thank you. Maybe one more. Can you talk more about how you should not be touched by delight or by sorrow? At least that's what I heard. Yeah. With an equanimous mind. <clears throat> yeah, this is kind of that high bar thing too. Like you, 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 uh, you know, like in the simile of the saw. But it's really it's pointing to attachment and aversion, and how we're you know we we are grasping for some pleasant experience that uh, cra- or craving some pre- pleasant experience. It's not the delight itself that's the problem. It's the compulsion to seek out delight that is what um, keeps us from being free. You know, if my, if my sense of well-being and my sense of equanimity depends on delight and delight is absent in this moment, then I suffer. So the, that's the invitation, is to not be attached to delight. And by the same way, not to be, you know, some of us are attached to our complaints, um, to not be um, reddened in that way of thinking. Donald wants to add something. Yeah, I want to add something. I think, I think some of the translation might be problematic. I think, I, I'm guessing that you were partly asking the question because of the word touched. Right, and the sense of not being touched by delight or by sorrow means you know, that we don't we don't tune into it, or we're, we're not we're not feeling it, and that that can feel aloof. And 
So I think my guess is if we look carefully, the translation is a little problematic. Because I think what it's pointing to is what Gula was saying. We could retranslate it as, may I be touched by delight and sorrow and not go into reactivity. My guess is that, that it's pointing to that more. Yeah, yeah thanks. Does that, does that cohere with what you're saying? Yeah, I think I, I kind of read the word touch as affected by, we won't be thrown off balance by yeah. delight and the seeking of delight. And uh, uh, Okay, time for the next thing. Uh, Chair yoga and walking. <laughs>